from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast, Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. Thank you all for tuning in this morning. A busy, busy show. We're going to get right into it. And again, I'm pre-recording the shows this week because I am traveling. I'm out on business. I'm in, in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. And so um, I'll be meeting some listeners and some viewers. Uh, I've met some yesterday. Uh, I'll be meeting some more today and tomorrow. And I'm really excited about that. Thank you for everyone who's come by and said hello. Um you got right into it. I didn't have time to even get myself a beverage this morning, getting the show ready and prepped for all of y'all. So you'll excuse me when I give you a coffee cup. Cheers without my own coffee. Tomorrow, I'll have a Celsius or a double espresso. I promise. That's kind of a thing at this point. Um, but I do apologize. It's just been one of those uh, mornings. So without further ado, coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Let's get into the show. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll start off with uh, security vendor Fortinet. Warning this week about two critical severity vulnerabilities in their 40 SIM that could lead to a remote code execution. The CVEs 2024, 23108, and 23109 have a provisional CVSS, CVSS score of a perfect 10, and they can be exploited without authentication. Each of these bugs is described as an improper neutralization of special elements, and both appear linked to CVE 2023 2023-349-902 uh, with a CVSS score of 9.8. That was patched in October of last year. Fortinet hasn't issued a separate advisor for the new flaws. Instead, they've merged them into the initial advisory, which suggests that they're either connected, a variation, or part of the uh, a result of the original patch to fix that original CVE, that's CVE 2023-349 or 2. Now, the improper neutralization of special elements used in an OS command vulnerability in 40SIM supervisor may allow in a remote, unauthenticated attacker to execute unauthorized commands via crafted API request. According to a NIST analysis, this is easily exploitable without user interaction with high impact on availability, confidentiality, and integrity. It hits all three of the CIA triangle. The newly identified security holes are likely no different. Fortinet reveals that the bugs impact 40 SIM versions 7.1.x, uh, essentially X, for those who don't know, I was asked that yesterday in one of the show comments. Um, it could be in any additional version beyond that. So 7.1 and, and whatever version from there, 7.0, point whatever version, 6.7, point whatever version, 6.6, 6.5, and 6.4 were all. Uh, patches were included in 40 SIM versions 7.1.2, but the security updates for the remaining vulnerable iterations are still pending. So there's that as well. So again, we're starting to see kind of the strength. Ivanti has really kind of held center stage for the last, you know, about 45 days with multiple zero days, multiple exploitables until CISA finally said, take this offline. Now, 47, this isn't as bad, but, but it is a result and it's a combination. It just shows you that security companies also need to address security just as seriously, if not even more, than the customers they're selling their security products to. And not to say Fortinet doesn't do that, uh, but by, I, I'm not a customer, but by all purposes from people that I've spoken with, even this morning kind of talking about this story in, in some in, with, within some, some people within the industry, they've, they've complimented Fortinet's response to this. So I just want to be very clear on that as well. Um, there's that. A Chinese cyber espionage group 
breached the Dutch military ministry of defense last year, deployed malware on several compromised devices, according to the military intelligence and security service of the Netherlands. However, despite backdooring the system, the damage of the breach was limited due to network segmentation. So we look at network segmentation. Now, when we understand how critical it is for security practitioners to actually understand the idea of segmentation, not only is segmentation effective, we saw with Schneider Electric, for example, and their ransomware attack, it only impacted one part of their business. Every single other part of their business is up and running and can support itself while one part of the business um, is dealing with that ransomware attack. And we see the same here with the Dutch military. The effects of the intrusions were limited because the victim network was segmented from the wider MOD network. That's the report says the victim network had fewer than 50 users. Its purpose was predominantly R&D of unclassified projects and collaborations with two third-party research institutes uh, that have all been notified of the incidents. The follow-up investigation, uh, a previously unknown malware strain named Code Hanger, a remote access trojan designed to infect FortiGate network security appliances, was also discovered on the breach network. Notably, Code Hanger's uh, implant is persistent, recovering after every reboot by injecting a backup of itself in the process responsible for rebooting the system. So again, a very, very advanced way. And this goes into the investigation and into the persistence. Here's what we're seeing. We're seeing the persistence aspect of malware really become significant. We saw that with Microsoft. We've, we've seen that with HP. Um, and now we're seeing it here. The threat actors are getting very, very wise into what they're doing with the RATs and with the malware and so forth. They're putting it in and they're putting it in, in the boot process. They're making it back up itself when you go to reboot, essentially thinking you're clearing out your system. When you're really not, it's just coming right back. Even a fully patched 40 get device may therefore be infected if they were compromised before the last patch was applied. So the, there is a patch application here in order to get rid of that process all together. The malware operates stealthy and persistently. It hides itself by uh, intercepting system calls to avoid revealing its presence. It also persists through system reboots and firm upgrades. Folks, the Chinese have three or 400,000 people at this point that work an eight to five job or, or an eight to eight job because it's China and really they don't do 40 hour weeks. It's predominantly slave labor to the Chinese Communist Party. And all they're doing is building new forms of malware that helps them accomplish Chinese's military and espionage targets across the world. And so that's what they do. And, and at the event I'm at here for the Department of Energy, I can tell you we hear a lot of people talk about China, a lot of people talking about China, but no one is calling out the elephant in the room. None of these organizations can deal with China independently or even together without the government putting a firm hand on China and saying, you keep doing this, we're going to start taxing you in all these different ways. So th there's there's that. So Code Hanger uh, is is uh, malware that was essentially deployed on a vulnerable FortiGate firewalls. That's CVE 2022-42475. That's the 40OS SSL VPN vulnerability. We talked about it back in the show, uh, but back in, I believe it was October of 2022 and January of 2023. So there's that as well. We see China on the move there. 
In other news, the Chicago Children's Hospital has been forced to take its network offline after an unspecified cyber attack limiting access to medical records and hampering communication by phone or email since the middle of last week. This is Laurie's Children's Hospital, um, and it has all the hallmarks of a cyber uh, ransomware attack. I'm sorry. The hospital initially described the issue Wednesday as a network outage. On Thursday, there was an official public statement saying they've taken their networks offline as part of a response to a cybersecurity manner. Um, so, um, there's that, um, and so the records, uh, for a lot of these, uh, very ill children that are in that hospital have been held up and, <laughs> you know, if, if there is scum, scum is when you go after a children's hospital, uh, give yourself all of that. Verizon Communications on their end are warning about an insider data breach that is impacting almost half of their workforce, exposing, exposing sensitive employee information. Verizon, one of the largest telecoms, also known as Big Red, has over 150 million subscribers across the U.S. The company has around 117,000 workers. They do about $137 billion in annual revenue. A data breach shared with the main attorney uh, general office reveals that a Verizon employee gained unauthorized access to a file containing sensitive employee information on September 21st of last year. Verizon discovered the breach on December 12th. Nearly three months later, determined it contained sensitive information, including full name, physical address, social security number, national ID, gender, union affiliation, date of birth, and compensation information. It doesn't impact customer information, but it does impact employee information. And one can only tell um, what the impacts of something like this could happen. So there's that as well. Between November and December of last year, a threat actor successfully stole more than 2 million email addresses and other personal information from at least 65 different websites, according to Group ID. It was mainly relying on SQL injection attacks, according to the group. Tracked as Resume Looters uh, has been active since at least early 2023. They're stealing, uh, they're selling the stolen information on Chinese-speaking hacking-themed Telegram groups. As part of the November-December campaign, the group primarily hit sites in India, Taiwan, Thailand, Vietnam, and China. However, it was also seen targeting victims in Australia, the Philippines, South Korea, Japan, the United States, Brazil, Russia, and Italy. They're focused on compromising retail and recruitment websites, but victims in the professional services, delivery, real estate, and investment sectors were also identified. Uh, the attacks resembled those launched by Gamble Force, a threat actor relying on SQL injections to compromise gambling and government websites in APAC. Uh, the same as Gamble Force resume looters was seen using various open source tools and pen testing frameworks in its SQL injection attacks. The main difference, though, is that resume looters that also used cross-site scripting injections into legitimate job search websites meant to display phishing forms and harvest admin credentials. Through the injection of malicious SQL queries, the threat actor was able to retrieve database containing close to 2.2 million rows, more than 500,000 of uh, which represented user data from employment websites. So. Um, a lot of reasons to do that, one of which is to try and get to you through HR. JetBrains, on their end, are urging customers today to patch their TeamCity on-prem servers against the critical authentication bypass vulnerabilities that can let attackers take over vulnerable instances with admin privileges. CVE 2024-239017, a critical severity flaw impacts all versions of TeamCity on-prem from 2017.1 to 2023.1.11.2. 
and can be exploited in an RCE attack that doesn't require user interaction. They're strongly advising users to update server, their servers to 2023.11.3 to eliminate the vulnerability altogether. If your server is publicly accessible over the internet and you are unable to take one of the above mitigation steps immediately, they recommend to temporarily make it inaccessible until mitigation actions have been completed, meaning they're expecting potentially to see this uh, be something that a foreign adversary might take advantage of. So keep that in mind and make sure you address that effectively. And an end of an era at Checkpoint and for the cybersecurity industry as a whole. Uh, Gil Schwade has revealed his intentions to finally step down as CEO of Checkpoint Software nearly 30 years after taking responsibility and founding the company. In the latest financial statements, Gil Schwade said it was the right time to focus on the evolution of the Israeli security vendor and its next stage, and that he intends to transition into the role of an executive chairman, charting the future of Checkpoint and the cybersecurity market. They've initiated the secession process to hire a new CEO, and once completed, he'll move into his new position as executive chairman. So there's that. Gil Schwede founded uh, Checkpoint in 1993 with Marius Nacht and Shlomo Kramer, uh, who are no longer with the company. Checkpoint's initial technology was built on the concept of stateful inspection. This became the foundation of the company's first core product, Firewall One. Their most recent activity was buying security service edge vendor Perimeter 81 in 2023, as well as everything they do in the Israeli startup security community. So there's that. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more tomorrow. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. I can't talk anymore. Have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.